Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I'm your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are going to talk a bunch of everything today. At the end of the episode, we're also going to make NASCAR playoff predictions. And on that note, our friends at NBC and USA Network want us to remind you guys that the chase for the cup continues as NASCAR's best head down to the Darlington playoffs to take on the track that is too tough to tame Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern on USA Network. I definitely should have read that before we actually hit the record button to see what I needed to actually read. But, you know, that's the beauty of live reads. So I have trivia for you and I have like a, a non-racing question. Where would you like me to start? You get to pick. Start with trivia. Okay. So one thing we'll talk about at some point today is Yuri Vips making his IndyCar debut the last two rounds in Portland and next weekend in Laguna. He is from Estonia. Can you name, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, the other Estonian driver to make, uh, to enter an IndyCar race? To enter an IndyCar race. Okay. Uh, No, I did not see that on Twitter. Okay, good trying to think of who the other Estonian drivers in the world are. I can think of some rally drivers who does not look like he did any rallying in his career. I can read you the series he was in since you're, you're a little stumped right now. He raced in formula Atlantics in the early two thousands, really 2004 Never consistently. 2005 was was pretty consistent. And 2009 was consistent. But otherwise, it was pretty inconsistent. Made a couple Indy Light starts in 2010 and 2011. And the season I'm talking about would be 2006 Champ Car. He also, oh. he also raced in four IMSA. Or I'm sorry, four seasons in IMSA. 19, 20, 21, and 22 for Wolver Racing. Okay, so in the pro, in the prototype challenge, right? Yes, I remember his last name is Kazimets, but I yes. don't know what the first name is. I uh, cannot remember what it is, unfortunately. Tonus, but Tonus Kazimets. Okay, and how how did he do in two thousand six? Was he any good? No, he finished. <laughs> 16th at Portland, 12th at Cleveland, 15th at Toronto, 11th at Edmonton, and 17th at Road America. Driving for like a backmarker team or was it someone decent? Rocket Sports Racing. Oh, they were good in that period. For like a very brief period, they were good. They were not good in 2006. They were were good in 03 with Tagliani. 04 with Tagliani, they were decent. 05. Ryan had a Ray drove for them, I think. Yes. 05, they had a podium. And that's where the lawsuit came from because it yeah. was Paul Genalozzi's team. <laughs> but they were never really like 03 with Tagliani. They they had a couple podiums. 2004, again, Tagliani had a win and a podium. 2005 with Timo Glock, they had a podium. And that was. Uh, 2006, they had one podium with Mario Dominguez at Surfer's Paradise. So pretty, you know, pretty. Their 2006 lineup was Nikki Pastorelli for five, six, nine races. Kazimitz for a couple. Antonio Pizzonia and Mario Dominguez. Antonio Pizzonia, he was an F1 driver. Okay, that's great. I still don't know who he is. Really? No idea. He was like, I don't know, a mainstream driver, I would think. He drove for, I think, Jaguar and Williams. Sure, sure. He drove for a Jaguar and Williams, but he also never completed a full season. So, No, that's true. And I also think I was getting Rocket Sports confused with Root Sport, who was way oh, better. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roosport and, was really good, and I don't know who owned that team or where they went, but they were the ones that had, was it Almendinger and Justin Wilson? Yeah, I think and so. And that was who was really good in 2006. But real quick on your your 
Antonio Pizzania friend, pizza boy. Pizzonia. He retired in one, two, three, four, five of 11 races in 2003 with Jaguar and then had a couple seventh places with Jaguar with BMW. So, you know, nothing. He's definitely not memorable, but also early 2000s. Yeah, I was distracted. I was in high school then, so I was kind of distracted. So anyway, let's go to the non-racing question. This one I'm stealing actually from Jeff Gluck's mailbag that he does with uh, NASCAR drivers. I asked my girlfriend this last weekend when we were when we were having dinner. If you were to do one household chore for a, every day for a year, but then you never had to do it again for the rest of your life, what household chore are you doing? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That I never had to do it again because there are a lot that I hate. Yes. There are some that I actually enjoy doing or that I don't mind doing, I guess. Right. But I'll just put on a podcast and do them. Like vacuuming, I'm cool with doing whenever. Yeah. I don't mind folding clothes. Michelle's terrible at folding clothes. She probably won't be happy at me saying that <laughs> in such a public forum, but I'm way better at it than her. So I'll fold the laundry. But what I hate doing, I had to do it every day. I am a household chore. Yeah. I'm really not a fan of putting clean sheets on the bed. Like when you have to make up the bed after you wash the sheets. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like doing that. So I guess that's something that I would do for a year and then never have to do again. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. I would say doing dish. Uh, no, not doing dishes. Doing dishes is the one that like I could handle. I would say mm. fold, like folding my laundry. I hate folding laundry, and that's what I said. Dude, just send it over here. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll bring my laundry with That'd me. Be weird if I fold week. your laundry. Yeah, I mean, it could be, <laughs> could be weirder, but like, let's not go there because this is a family <laughs> podcast, and we should stay somewhat family related. Yeah, we have a really cool interview coming up in like two weeks that I'm excited to record, but that's all we're going to talk about it. So let's move on. And do you want to start with your Vips? Oh, I guess we should start by reviewing Gateway. Sure. Let's and do and that. then we'll do your Vips. Picks right here. Yeah. Our what are our picks? predictions? Not picks. Sorry. Yeah. It's all the same. For good weekend, I, I had co host Malukas who earned his second podium. podium. Him, right back to back podium so i'd say that's really good you picked pato who finished also on the podium in second so we nailed that yep for bad weekend i said connor who finished 16th but when i looked at the race standings i think lungard was in 17th and ray hall was in 20th so i don't know where to put that it's a very mediocre weekend but i wouldn't say bad yeah that's fair and then ed carpenter Nailed it was it. your pick for bad. And you, yeah, he finished 24th. And who did he smash into? Benjamin Peterson? <laughs> Peterson, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, just, just oh, plowed right into him at the start. Like, dude, you're, you're starting in second to last or last place. Like, there's no need to go plowing into turn one like that. You're not going to come out of turn one and turn two in 15th place and make up all this ground. Like, just come on, Ed. What are you doing? He cost himself money doing that, honestly. Like, he's damaging equipment. But we also had a red flag question. There was not a red flag, so I win that one. Yeah. And I think that was it for our picks. It was was a good race, I'd say. I was entertained by this gateway race. I think Sarah wanted us to say that the curse is broken, which maybe by saying that out loud, it, it actually will return to spite her. Yes. But the fact that we had some rain delay stuff go on on Saturday that affected qualifying. I mean, we got it in on Sunday anyway, but she said the fact that she wasn't there proved that it wasn't her. That's incorrect. That caused the wet weather. Yeah, that's, at these that's races. you can't you can't say that. And you have to be at the racetrack for for you to not jinx something. So if you're not oh, at the racetrack, like a dry weekend. Yeah, if you're if you're not at the racetrack, your 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 feelings are completely invalid. And, you know, the point is moot. So. Sarah, if I had a rejection sound button right now, I'd be pressing it, but I don't have buttons on this recording device. So, yeah, it was it was kind of fun to watch everything. Like, you know, I watched Indie Next a little bit Saturday night. I I watched kind of like 
the first half of the race. And then I did flip over and catch the second half of the NASCAR race at Daytona, but the qualifying Sunday morning and then, you know, the race later Sunday afternoon made for like a really fun Sunday. And I don't know, did Michelle watch it with you or was she, is that when she was leaving? Because I know she's traveling for work. The daily race? Yeah. No, she did not watch it with me. So she doesn't usually do that, unfortunately. Well, yeah, fair. I did I did watch it with a girlfriend on Sunday. I don't think she was like super enthused with qualifying. But I don't know. Oval qualifying when it's not the Indy 500, it's not particularly exciting. Like it's just it just kind of drones on eventually. Like you're almost like when you get to like the final five guys, you're like, all right, finally, we can see like some guys put down some good laps and see what happens here. Other than maybe like Ferrucci almost losing it when he was mm-hmm. done. And he was definitely primed to start top eight probably before he had that wiggle. I don't have his qualifying lap time. Still did okay, I think, right? Yeah, he finished 13th. Where, where did he finish? Yeah, actually, it's yeah. not bad. No, he had a, he had a good his qualifying time. Was bad, but I he also for us. he also had a big wiggle, so he you know lost a lot of speed there. But she did seem to enjoy the race, and even mentioned to me, which I thought was pretty cool, that like there's a lot more that goes in to an IndyCar race or a race weekend than she would have ever thought before. So I appreciated that. She did call Graham Rahal, Graham Raphael, at one point. I'm like, okay, like at least you remember who he was for the most part. And Joseph Newgarden was Jeff Newgarden during the race, which I thought was very ironic considering That's his NASCAR our name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very ironic because of our friends that call themselves Jeff. So, and they're both Newgarden fans. So, anyway, Perfect. yeah. Yeah. So, you should keep making these nicknames. I like those. Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll work on that. I don't know if we're going to be watching portland live this weekend because i i won't be home but i'll at least get her to i don't know give give me a a new nickname from somebody she remembers hearing about on the broadcast special shout out to kevin lee i thought he did an awesome job in the broadcast at least during the race qualifying broadcast you know they're just trying to get through the hour and 15 minutes or however long it takes but during the race he was really good yeah i agree he he's able to i don't know call the race in a much more straightforward manner yeah i think i said to you then maybe lee does lee injects a lot more excitement of or yeah what the Townsend kind of yeah exactly just more i don't know i guess entertainment because i guess he's just used to doing the olympics and stuff like that he's just more bombastic in a sense and i don't mean that in a negative way but I just think Kevin does a really good job of calling it as a almost a play-by-play type person, you yeah. know, as even the lead announcer. It's just a good job. So the one question I have for you, so there's it was a pretty straightforward race. Obviously, there was you know four different strategies going on. So it was it was entertaining, but there's you know two cautions the entire race. I would say the driver who had the worst weekend is not up for debate. It's Takuma Sato. He had by far the worst race spun 64 times and hit the wall 12 times but gateway and you know maybe this year was a little hard because they did the highline practice saturday night and the race was sunday afternoon but god by halfway through the race the marbles offline were insane how do we improve that is this a and this this you might not have an answer to this is this a firestone thing is it a gateway thing you know do they need to be more aggressive about bringing out the, the sweepers when there is a caution. I don't think they did in great force when Sato spun at least halfway through the race or two thirds of the way through the race. But is it an IndyCar thing? You know, I, I'm sure the drivers would say we need to change something with the aerodynamics slightly that might help tire wear in a way. So I don't know. It, and I think it could be a little bit of everything I said. I don't think there's necessarily one quick answer but now that i've rambled on what do you think i have two solutions and okay. uh, i don't think either of them will actually address this problem 
Okay. Uh, the first one is put down PJ one, and I'm totally kidding because that would ruin everything, <laughs> and we could never go back to Gateway. Yeah. The second would be to make this a night race again, mm, yeah. and uh, I don't think that would fix anything with actual tire degradation, but you just have a probably give them more grip, less track temperature, so maybe it does actually help yeah. with less tire degradation. Yeah. I think I would... that's the solution. It's better for the fans, and it's just. I don't know, better aero, cooler temperatures. It does, does a whole bunch for the racing. Yeah, and I've heard that's the rumor is gateway back to the night next year, which it should have never been off night. And I found it funny. Everybody's like, gateway should be like the, you know, the IndyCar like throwback weekend like NASCAR does oh, yeah. the spring Darlington race. Whoever Whoever is not on board with an IndyCar retro weekend Need or throwback weekend needs to take a look at Colton Herta's Laguna ride. You know, that's a throwback to his dad's what, 96, 96 car, 95 car. And it's later, it's like 90, 98 or 99. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, and that, that car looks really slick. We really, we, this, this would be such a great marketing thing to happen. It would bring in, you know, some fans that maybe aren't super close to the sport anymore, but also, how many people out there are buying, you know, Colton Herta throwback merch right now? Just expand that through 25 or 26 drivers and you've got yourself a couple million dollars in revenue sales from jerseys and hats and die casts and whatever else you want to print up for old cars. So I hope IndyCar does something like that because it's such a cool idea and I don't know, I think it's pretty fun. But it would trigger people who would then be reminded of the split. You know what? If if you can't handle the fact that it happened at this point, <laughs> please stop watching. You know, that's like kind of mean. I'm just picturing but... people getting angry and being like, I was watching the IRL. How dare you bring up a cart livery? I actually saw on, on Facebook of all places some sort Whoa. of debate going on about like the IRL versus cart i don't remember what the actual debate was i just remember thinking this is nauseating that we're still having the debate about which one was better when the split has been over for 15 years at this point and yeah i mean listen it destroyed a lot and probably you know we don't need to go into a discussion on that but like get over it just get over it please get over it or keep it to Facebook because then I can make fun of you on Facebook. Yeah, racing fans tend to hold grudges, it seems. Yeah, you got that right. Okay, we'll move on from the race. It was fun. Portland is this weekend, but before we get there, Yuri Vips, he takes the Ray Hall seat for the last two races. Obviously, there's some problematic things with things he has said on Twitch, I think it was, or whatever, online. But can you look past that and give him a chance for at least the rest of the season to see how he does? I don't think it matters if I can or not, because Ray Hall's already decided to do so. Okay. But I'm also just going to say that I don't know everything that he's said and everything that he's done. I do know that he was born in 2000. So he's in his very early 20s still. Yeah. And... I don't know. I, I'd like to think that most people probably regret things that they've done in their early 20s or maybe their late teens. That tends to be when you make some pretty silly decisions sometimes, say, do things that you would never do as a fully mature adult, which who knows if adults are fully mature anyway, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the thing. But just you you look back at yourself and can cringe. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that I've said or done things like he did, but I don't know him personally. And I, I've had almost zero exposure to him in interviews or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give him a chance. I mean, it's the same thing with the Santino Ferrucci situation. He stole my point. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It's okay. You didn't know I was going to say that because we did not talk about this prior. But yeah, I mean, if if we can say on the show like multiple times that Santino Ferrucci made some mistakes, learned from his mistakes, 
and moved on with his life. We should probably do the same for Yuri Vips. And I'm not condoning anything he might have said. I have no, no knowledge of, honestly, what he said or when, because I have, you know, the F2 world. And sorry, I just knocked my phone off my desk here. It's just not something I've paid attention to. But I've also heard he's like incredibly nice around the paddock and genuinely drivers enjoy his company. So. You know, let's just hope he learned from his mistakes. And if not, then after two races, we probably won't see him again. But and I get I my gut feeling. I have a gut feeling that he will be in IndyCar. Maybe not with Ray Hall next year, but I kind of think he might be around still. Yeah, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I mean, yeah, like canceling some people need to be canceled that have not been canceled. If you know what I mean, <laughs> that just keep getting away with things. Yeah. I'm not going to say who those people are or get into that. But that have shown a pattern of behavior and they still just keep being able to do what they want to do. Yeah. But for one thing to define you, I mean, it has to be pretty bad. And especially as someone who studies what I do, I study criminology. It's kind of would be very hypocritical of me to say that somebody who's you know said something and, and that that's not a crime right can't get a second chance when i believe that people who've committed crimes should be able to get a second chance yep yep so portland it's funny i make fun of portland all the time because they have the world's worst media center and they have a new off you know, a new not offsite a new media structure that was built somewhere at the track obviously i'm not going this weekend because i still don't feel like going out to portland but I don't know. Let's make some predictions. We don't. I don't. I don't have too much to say. <laughs> Portland wise, I did I have st- one other news point that we didn't address. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I think it's because it's a little. We're a little late to it, but I just figured it's worth mentioning again. Is that Simon Pagano unfortunately has ruled himself out for the remainder of the season, and Tom Blomquist is going to have the seat for Portland and Laguna, which should be cool because. He, he at least knows Laguna from IMSA racing. Yep. Um, I think, it. I don't know. I'm ready to see him get a bit of a redemption because what Toronto went terribly, unfortunately for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be nice. And I really hope that Simon with this time to recover is able to return next season because this, this is the right move probably for his health. I mean, he's, he's born in 84. So how, he's almost 40. Right. He's not old by any means, but he's also not a 20 year old driver. So he needs more time to recover, probably. And this is also an individual process. And that was a vicious wreck. So I think he's in a good place in his career where he looks at this and says, I need to take this time rather than try to rush back into a car. And I respect that. I think everybody should respect that. Yeah. Especially because, you know, he's. Yeah, he's not winning the championship this year. Excuse me. He's probably, you know, they are probably not contending for race wins. So why not just get 100% healthy, come back, hopefully come back next year and, you know, just just hit the ground running from from the start of the year. But yeah, fair point there. Anything else or should we go to predictions? I think that's it. Let's get our predictions. I was just looking at Yuri Vip's record in kind of the road to F1, and he's got it's pretty impressive. I mean, he's got wins in most of the categories that he's competed in. I, I want to say that this record actually even looks slightly better than that of Christian Lungard when we were kind of looking into his background when he was on the yeah. way over to IndyCar. So I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do obviously in two races i don't know if he can do that much but right ray hall's seen potential in him clearly yeah i think that's that's totally fair so okay let's make predictions let's keep this simple <laughs> let's start with probably the easiest prediction we can make for gateway something's going to happen in portland term- portland why why do i keep saying i don't i don't know where i am anymore Let's let's go with the easiest. We're going to turn one at Portland. Something's going to happen. How many cars will be not necessarily out of the race? How many cars will be involved 
in the lap one turn one drama you know let's leave it totally open for interpretation and you know there might be other cars that you know, take runoff we're not going to count them if they just continue on fine this is spin contact out you know flip over four times end up with a you know something happening and this is not an over over under or anything totally you know you get to pick okay I'll let you go I'll first. go first on this one? Okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to say six. Okay. Cars. I, in that case, I don't want to say five because then I'm just like, price is writing you. So let's say... Didn't that guy just pass away? Bob Barker? Yeah. Yes. Rest in peace, Bob Barker. Yes, and I love that he lived like as close to possible to hit a hundred without actually hitting a hundred. Like that's the most prices right way to go. Anyway, I'm going with three. We're gonna we're gonna say it's gonna be a small impact at the back of the field. Okay, the back of the field. All right. Yes. Okay. On that note, let's see here. Let's go with who's having a good weekend. Well, Portland. I'm going to say Scott McLaughlin, who apparently has beef with our co-host. Yeah. Over uh, there. Let's let's get through predictions and then we'll go back to that. Okay. So you said McLaughlin's having a good weekend. Okay. I will say Scott Dixon. I think he's going to keep it up. I don't know if he's going to win his third race in a row, but... You know he's he's definitely going he's on the to championship charge. Yeah, he's going on the on the championship charge. All right, who's having a bad weekend? Bad weekend at Portland. Wow, there's like a very loud motorcycle going by right now. I don't know how well you can hear that. But <laughs> I hear it's like rump- something minor in the background, but not enough that like uh, I'm distracted or or anything. No, oh, I like was vibrating my house. Somebody has illegal pipes on that one, but bad weekend at Portland. Who is going to just be awful or run into bad luck at this track? That's tough, actually. But I'm going to say, I feel like I always say the same people, so I'm trying to think of someone different. I'll say that Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Will Power has a bad weekend, hmm, unfortunately. I don't know why I'm just saying that. That's who I was going to pick. Okay, so in that case, 
I will say Alex Pillow has his first slip up all year and has a sub 10th place finish and brings the championship battle next weekend into Laguna. I am in favor of that. Me too. On that note, towards the end of the race, co-host Malukas made it almost three wide, but instead kind of went in behind the low line and gateway. I think it was behind one of the MSR cars. I don't remember. It was Elio. Okay. And McLaughlin was high, but kind of coming down. Totally fine. McLaughlin keeps going down. They bump. Both were fine. McLaughlin kind of lost some momentum. Maybe lost a couple places, but you know, he went way up the track, but he's yeah, they were, you know, they were both fine at the end of the day after the race. Mr. McLaughlin was very angry, which I I did not catch. But, you know, I saw the exchange on Twitter, which like went from like kind of being silly and like fake social media beef last week with the whole bus bros thing, which I don't mm-hmm. I understand why we need fake Internet drama. But this seemed very real. So I wanted to get you. Know, thank you for reminding me your thoughts on the actual, I don't know, incident at hand. It sounds like Scott McLaughlin actually went up to David on the podium and confronted him okay. based on what I've heard. So I don't think anything's been resolved there. Was it a... I, I didn't really see a problem with that move. I think McLaughlin was moving down, as you said, and I guess... He thought that was going to deter David from really putting the move on him, and it didn't. He was willing to just send it and make the move, and I think that's a risk you may have to take because he was gunning for that podium. He knew his car was good enough, and he wanted to get that result. So I'm probably biased because of how much we enjoy having Mr. Malukas on the show and you know, his personality in general, but just from knowing him, he's not a dirty driver. Yeah. And he respects Scott McLaughlin. So going into it with that perspective, I know he wouldn't do anything underhanded on purpose. Yeah. And I'm just going to call this a racing incident. I'm out. I totally forgot. I had a zoom filter on and I have ridiculous sunglasses on on the video filter right now. And we've been recording for, I don't know, a half hour at this 25 minutes. Totally just looked up and I went, oh my God, what's on my face? I agree. I actually, in real time, thought uh, Malukas was going to get a penalty. And then, you know, they didn't call anything. They didn't, race control didn't review it as far as, as far as I could tell from looking back at the box score and everything. So I, I don't have an issue with it. These things happen on occasion. I don't think it was disrespectful on either driver's part to do what they did so yeah we can move on from that i think it's time for the lovely world of formula one now so i'll let you lead this part because i have no interest in it (laughs) gotta love the vibe heading into this part of the podcast (laughs) just making the listeners want to continue on you know i my my sentiments on Formula One this year are pretty much word for word what Malukas said when he was on yeah. you know, two weeks ago. And it's not like I'm going to not watch it or not talk about it, but like I definitely didn't watch it live Sunday morning. I made no effort to watch it live Sunday morning. Instead, I watched the replay Sunday I don't know Sunday night or Monday night and was fine with that. And that's probably how it's, I'm definitely not watching it live this weekend. So yeah. Take that F1. Yeah. I know they care <laughs> totally about my opinion. Um, I guess the first thing we should say is that I thought the, I don't, however many laps it was where the rain chaos was going on were some of the most fun, exciting, interesting laps we've had all season. Sure, sure, yep. F1, however, is making a huge deal out of it being a record for overtakes, 
when you have DRS still, don't even don't talk about records for overtakes. Like you can't you can't claim it to be anything special when you still have DRS and you have a gimmick that allows you to do overtakes. There's no like don't brag about it. I don't think it matters anyway because they don't distinguish passes on track or passes when guys are you know pitting for new tires or pitting or or passing because you know somebody spun whatever 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 so you know let's just say there's no rain and no chaos there's probably a decent amount of passing anyway because the sandvort kind of lends itself to that but going into turn one tarzan yeah yeah we're still not getting crazy okay continue yeah, I just wanted to say that because I, I see F1 and people around F1 hyping that up, but I think it's kind of a bogus claim that they're really standing behind. Anyway, Helmet Marco has said that Daniel Ricardo, who unfortunately broke some bones in his hand, will miss at least Italy and Singapore. And because his surgery is complicated and needs time to heal. Yeah, he had surgery over the weekend, so... Who knows if this kind of killed his chance of proving that he deserves the Alpha Tower seat for next season. I have no idea what's going on there because Helmet Marco said something before the weekend about how Sergio is not 100% and they may replace him. He needs to step up his performance and then was corrected after the race when Sergio, what, went off a few times during the race? Yeah. Lost a podium by speeding in the pit lane. What else did he do? He made some other mistakes. I don't know. Oh, and just basically was unable to stave off Verstappen, who caught him ridiculously quickly after he'd taken the lead. <laughs> he was down so, by like 13 seconds at one point. Yeah. Verstappen, yeah. And then he just, it was a couple laps. Yeah. It was, that was insane. So anyway, I think somehow that secured his him for next year. And that's what we're hearing from Red Bull now that Perez is definitely in the seat, but I don't believe a damn thing either of those men say, and that's Christian Horner and Helmut Marco. So when we actually see an announcement, that is when we will know, unfortunately, who is going to be in the second Red Bull seat. There's a lot of speculation about that, obviously. And that, you know, lends to speculation about Alpha Tauri as well. Yeah. But Liam Lawson did a great job, I think, on his debut and having very little experience. He'd never driven this current generation Alpha Tauri. He'd only driven... I guess last year's car. So right. I, I was impressed by his drive. I thought his pass on Charles Leclerc, even though Leclerc had a garbage weekend, absolutely <laughs> horrific. And Carlos Sainz looked way better. I mean, I know there was some some issues with Leclerc's car, but wow. Yeah. Seen, Not good. Leclerc, I, I think we've made this argument before, and it's the same as Botas where once Botas is in a headspace, and this is the same as Carlos Reutemann, I think I've re- like literally wrote a blog about this when we were remembering to do that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> what that, are you talking about? That when anything goes wrong for these drivers, they just lose all hope or faith and go into this dark headspace where they have no confidence and it just, they crumble and fall. And I, there was a period in the race where Charles Leclerc was just getting passed over and over and over again. And he's the type of driver who I bet could have driven through. I don't know exactly what the, the damage to the car was. But I think he can pull the car up like on his back and drive through a lot of that. Yeah. But if he doesn't have the mental strength or motivation to do it, he's not going to do it. And, and Carlos Sainz, I think, is just a lot more consistent. So it was interesting to see. So a little bit of maybe a changing dynamic, even though... Leclerc is definitely the favored son at Ferrari. Yeah, good point. I don't have too much in terms of the race other than the chaos at the beginning that I care about. Do we have predictions that we actually made for this? Because, oh, you had predictions. I refused. I refused, yes. I'm going to refuse to make... I'm going to refuse to make F1 predictions until we have, like, an actual genuinely good race that's not because of rain or some sort of ridiculous chaos oh can we make fun of some of the some of the team strategy though for like the tires yeah that was yeah. so calamitous it's like did everybody way for, that... forget how to <laughs> yeah act yeah like leclerc's doing? coming into the pits and like well, it looks like ferrari has just screwed up again right because they don't have the tires for him to come in on the intermediates 
Yeah. But he apparently made the call at the last second and was saying it as he was coming down the pit lane. So they had to rush to bring the tires out to him. So it wasn't even Ferrari's fault this time. It's just, uh, it's funny to me that some of the team and, and George Russell's quote about, you know, what the F guys, I was forecast for a podium. <laughs> yep. I was cackling. That was so good. It's very odd how like, it wasn't just like, all right, listen, we all expect Ferrari to screw up once during the race. That's fine. But it was oh, yeah. like everybody, like almost every team had some sort of like complete bumbling error. McLaren, for sure. Unfortunately, they were my good pick yeah. for this weekend. And I mean, they weren't bad, but they were seventh and ninth, which I thought Norris and Piastri looked a lot more competitive with the amount of dicing they were doing yeah. throughout the day. So. I, I kind of lose on that one. And Lance Stroll was my bad pick because that's kind of just an easy target at this point. Yeah. And I would say his finish of 11th uh, was pretty bad when Fernando Alonso was as impressive as he was. He was actually making me think that he could compete with Max. Yeah. Yep. 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 If only they had equal equipment. I think that would be that would be the battle we need. Yeah. Yeah, good point. The two of them going against each other. Oh my god, that would be so chaotic. That would be that would be so fun because I think they respect each other enough that it would be oh yeah, hard but not like the chaotic 2021 Hamilton Verstappen battles. I agree. I do agree with that. There's some weird whatever needle, I think as they say in Europe between Lewis yeah. and Max. That's pretty much, I guess we have all the other news is about these flexi wings, which yeah. I won't get too much into that because yeah. it it was overly complicated. But instead of doing stress tests or increasing the amount of stress they're going to do on the wing pieces to ensure that teams aren't getting away with flexi wings, instead, now teams are going to have to submit drawings and cross sections and they have to supply images that show the fixation of rear wing pylons to the impact structure allowing the FIA to better understand how they've been designed and if any team has created parts in a way to flex and deliver an aerodynamic advantage yeah they have to submit this by September 8th which I guess is about a week from today as we're recording this this seems dumb the yep. FIA is going to take forever to review these anyway. And I'm pretty sure that teams could probably trick you by giving them this much time to just come up with something to <laughs> fake. Fake. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, yep. Leave that to F1 to accuse teams of trying to circumvent the rules and then coming up with a way to enforce rules that will not actually fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. So, yep. you know, it's kind of like, oh, you have to do it by September 8th. But also, like, remember this summer we were supposed to have a decision on a new team by, like, June 15th. And mm -hmm. it's now the end of August. We're not going to have anything by the time August ends in two days. Probably not by the time September ends. But anyway, we'll save that rant for the off season when yeah, we have flexi we, deadlines too. Yeah, we have flexi we have flexi deadlines now. But <laughs> are are you making Monza predictions before we move on to the last thing? Yeah, I'm. I have to keep my dedication alive. Okay. And actually, we did have one other piece of news that I wanted to get to. Just continuing the Felipe Massa saga because uh, I think it's still hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely super entertaining to me. Basically, Massa's legal team has warned the FIA and Formula One management that the UK's high court is going to intervene because they're just using delay tactics by arguing that they didn't have time during the summer break to, I guess, address his... Okay you know, matter is problem. I, I think, okay. okay. Uh, I think that is 
well, let me just say a couple of things. Whoever these lawyers are, and I'm just going to, you know, couch this in, I'm going to say allegedly and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, theorizing. I don't know anything about this, obviously. Sure, sure. Seems like Felipe Massa is probably a pretty wealthy man. And he has a lot of money that you could take even if you knew this was a losing case as an attorney. So I actually, you know, I think they're just basically indulging Felipe Massa, if I had to guess. Okay. And they'll fight it out for him. But I don't see this going anywhere. And who knows if the attorneys do, if when they took the sure. case, whatever. Sure. But Fair this point. just seems like something that there's no way that a UK high court will intervene on this. This is not something that seems very relevant to for them to even wade into I, it just seems like why would they bother Fair enough. but maybe i'm wrong it, it's all just empty threats and political maneuvering yeah and yeah. when felipe massa fighting the fia and formula one management you're gonna lose <laughs> yep sorry but you're embarrassing yourself in the in the process and entertaining me so please keep going monza predictions Ferrari, I'm going to say, is going to do poorly. Okay. They looked terrible at Zandvoort. And I don't know what's going on, but when Ferrari looks bad, that's usually the start of a free fall into just chaos. Yeah. So we're going to say that. Oh, a couple of things, I guess, that we didn't mention. Pierre Gasly got a podium. That was cool. I don't think it actually shows or says anything about the... Alpine team improving as much as that's the message they're trying to send out after that, that team is still sure. in shambles and yep. super chaotic. And this was just a lucky result for them to galvanize themselves around, but I wouldn't count on it, you know, actually signaling anything. Who's going to do well. I'm going to say that Alex Albon's going to have a fantastic weekend because Williams is actually showing progress. I believe. And yeah. we know that that car has high top speed and will do well at Monza. So okay. let's just say Albon's going to do well. Ferrari as a whole is going to unfortunately disappoint the Tifosi. Not surprised. Oh, All right. times? times? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right. go ahead. I have those up actually. The Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio d'Italia. Practice one starts Friday, September 1st at 7.30 a.m., followed by practice two at 11 a.m. Uh, practice three is Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m., followed by qualifying at 10 a.m., and the race is 9 a.m. on Sunday of Labor Day weekend. All righty. Well, we have one more thing to get to. We will make some sort of graphic and put the, this on, on the Twitter before the weekend starts, hopefully. You mean friend of the show Keanu will probably make a graphic for us because she's incredibly talented. That's probably the smarter, smarter decision between the two. Okay. NASCAR playoff predictions. I have here the topics that I gave you yesterday. So, and we can have overlapping, you know, we don't have to pick four separate people or, you know, whatever. So if we have the same picks, we have the same picks, but who are your final four? Who's, who's going to go into the last race of the year with a chance to win the championships championship. I was thinking about this as I watched Daytona. Yeah. And my feeling of those who are performing well, you want me to give all four or just one at a time? Yeah, just, just do all four. Okay. So my guess, well, you wanted me to do one that was kind of a, a hot take, didn't you? Or like a, a dark horse. Dark horse, yeah, but that's it's not we're not there yet. Oh, it's a separate pick? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the four that I think will actually be there at the end will be William Byron, because he just seems like he's dominating this season. Yep. I also think Martin Trex Jr. looks like he's performing really well. Joey Logano, as much as it pains me to say that. <laughs> okay. And, and Christopher Bell. Okay. All right. I am going 
Byron, Hamlin, Kyle Larson, and Ross Chastain. For my four. Okay. All right. Next Bill, pick. Hamlin, Larson, Larson, and Chastain. Chastain. Okay. Who is your champion of those four? I'm saying Byron. I don't think you can you can pass up Hendrick this season. Yes, I I typically agree, but just to be different, I will say Denny Hamlin gets his long-awaited NASCAR championship. Hmm. And lastly, this is not among the four you picked. A dark horse, maybe from the bottom eight of sixteen, that could be an upset upset candidate to make the final four. Oh, from the bottom eight. I mean, okay. it, it, your your upset pick is not going to be you know Kyle Busch, who's fifth in the standings. You know, that that would be no. I, my upset pick was probably going to be Chris Busher. Oh, that's that. Yeah, that could be an upset because he's kind of inflated in the standings with a late season charge. I think that's fair. Yeah, that was going to be my pick because yeah. most of the people in the bottom eight, it, it would really disappoint me i mean there are a few that i would be happy to see make the final four there but yeah a lot of them i hope get eliminated before that <laughs> well i'm gonna go with tyler reddick that's a good choice yes so yeah all right maybe i'll text kiana and see if she has time to make a graphic on on the playoff predictions but figured we would join the fray and do predictions on that and that's all i got Everybody enjoy all the racing this weekend. NASCAR is at Darlington. IndyCar is at Portland. Not Gateway. I got it right that time. Formula One's in Italy. I think Formula E season's done. Nobody cares about Formula E anymore. E-scooters. Yeah. E-scooters racing in my backyard. And Extreme E is, I think, I saw Extreme E on Twitter, and I remembered how much I don't care about that series. Anyway... <laughs> Have a lovely Labor Day weekend. It's my dad's birthday on Monday, so happy birthday, Pops. And yes, happy birthday. I don't think he'll be listening at this point in the episode because he'll be like, all right, you guys are rambling on. I'm going to shut you off now. And see ya. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!